God's word who is the means by which the spirit grows you. He inspired this word and he will make you understand it. People say to me all the time, you know, I read the Bible. I stopped reading the Bible because I just didn't understand it. Well, a couple of things is obviously when you start doing push-ups, you're gonna do about one push-up, but you have to do more push-ups every day and then you can do a hundred. Right? The same thing goes with anything that you read. So first, you're not going to understand the Bible because it's a very complicated book, it's tough or whatever. But as you read it, it'll get easier, number one. Number two, you have the mind of Christ and you have the Spirit of God who inspired this Word. And He will illuminate your mind because that's His work in your life. That's what Jesus said, listen, I'm going to leave, but the other one that I'm going to say, He's going to teach you all the things that He's going to bring them to mind, He's going to help you understand all the things that I've taught you, He's going to continue to teach them to you and make you understand them. So you have the mind of Christ and you have the Spirit of God who inspired this word and he's going to illuminate your mind to understand it and empower you to apply it. But he ain't gonna grab your hands and help you pick up the Bible and force you to read. He's not gonna do that. But if you read the Bible, he will work with your mind and with the word to bring you to the point that you need to be because that's his work and that's his ministry. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for July 22nd, 2018. Today, Brother Omar brings us the 10th message in his series called Statement of Faith, Doctrine of the Scriptures. Brother Omar recaps his past messages and reminds us how the Holy Spirit works and what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. Brother Omar reminds us that the Holy Spirit convicts, regenerates, and dwells in us, empowers us, and helps us to pray by interceding for us. He also reminds us how the writers of the Bible were moved along by the Holy Spirit, and how the Bible is still accurate because of how God protected and preserved it. So grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's Word here on Followers of the Way. I'm going to continue from... Three Sundays ago, I think it was. A sermon series that I'm doing, which is on our statement of faith. We are on the doctrine of God. Hopefully this will be the last sermon on the doctrine of God. And we're going to cover or talk a little bit about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, which we did last time that I spoke. We talked about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. So we'll continue on that. It's going to be a summary because a lot of the uh, works and ministries that the Holy, of the Holy Spirit will be covered. You know, when we get to like the doctrine of salvation, we'll talk about regeneration and all that stuff. So today I'm just going to do like summaries of all that because then we'll have nothing to preach about. Five weeks. So last time we talked about the personhood of the Holy Spirit, the fact that He is God, right? He, he is not a, an essence as some people teach or, or even evangelicals. When we think of the Holy Spirit in certain circles, we think about a presence, I felt his presence at church, or church was good. The presence of the Spirit was there. But he's actually God. So therefore, as such, he has all of the attributes that God has. He's eternal. He is omniscient. He is all-powerful. He is all-loving. All the attributes that we talked about God, all of them are ascribed to the Holy Spirit because he is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. We number the persons of the Trinity, but... He is the third person of the Trinity. So we're going to talk a little bit today about his ministry, his works. We know that he's God. What specific ministries and work does the Holy Spirit do? We know that Christ is the second person of the Trinity, died for our sins. The Father did not die for our sins. The Son died for our sins. But the Son and the Father are God. There's your mystery. Figure that out. 
the Father and the Son and the Spirit are God, but they're different persons, okay? So, the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, that was the weirdest thing when I came to this country, and I didn't speak English, and I heard the phrase Holy Ghost. There is no way you can make that make sense in Spanish. You cannot say Holy Ghost in Spanish and make any sense whatsoever, okay? Ghost in Spanish is never a good thing, and holy is the total opposite. But the English speakers say Holy Ghost. We call it Holy Spirit, so I'm going to call it Holy Spirit. It feels weird, okay? So the Holy Spirit, number one, we talked about he has all of the attributes of God. Obviously, for example, he was active in creation. In Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit was moving on the face of the water. So the Bible, right off the, right off the back in the beginning, shows us the Spirit being present in creation. In Job 33, verse 4, it says that the Spirit of God made us. The Spirit of God made me. And the breath of the Almighty gives us life. Okay, the Spirit of God made us. He sustains us, okay? So he's active in creation. So think about all that creation entails. Think about all that it entails to sustain the creation of this whole world. All of those attributes that uh, is necessary for that are ascribed to the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit was active in, in creation. Last time when we, got, when we got to, when we were talking about the doctrine of the Scripture, we talked about inspiration. One of the sermons we spoke about inspiration. Well, the Bible shows us that the Spirit of God was the main agent in inspiration. In the inspiration of the Scriptures, we know that the Holy Spirit was the one who moved the writers. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says this, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of a man, but man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, the idea of being carried along or moved, some Bibles say moved, some Bibles say inspired, but the idea is when in the old days, boats would have a sail. So you prop up the sail and the wind would come and it would move the boat. They didn't have engines or motors or whatever back then. So that idea is the same word is used here that the writers of the Bible were being moved along by the Holy Spirit, like a boat is moved by the wind. So the Holy Spirit is the main agent in the inspiration of the Scriptures. 2 Samuel verse 23, verse 2 says this, The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me, and His word is on my tongue. That was King David speaking. Acts chapter 4, verse 25, you have the same idea. The apostles are speaking. They say this, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. That is a quotation of Psalms chapter 2. So the apostles are saying that Psalms chapter 2 was written by David, okay? It was written by David. David wrote it, but it was by the Holy Spirit. The author of the Bible is God, the Holy Spirit. The writers were different men. But this book has only one mind behind it. There's only one author behind this book. That's why it all connects together. So the Holy Spirit 
is the agent and the inspiration of the Scriptures. Just like Christ, the second person of the Trinity, died for our sin, the Spirit of God gave us His Word. Okay? So He was, one of the main works of the Spirit of God is the inspiration of the Scriptures. Amen? So, that's some of the stuff that we've talked about so far concerning the Holy Spirit. We cover the whole thing of inspiration when we talked about the doctrine of the Word of God or the doctrine of the Scriptures and so forth. So, the question is, what other works of ministry does the Holy Spirit do? Um, he made us, He sustains us, and He has given us His Word. Well, the Bible reveals a whole range of things that are ascribed to the Holy Spirit, okay? For example, in John chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus gives us a promise that He was going to send His Spirit. We covered that last time, right? I'm going to go, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you another helper. In other words, you've been with me all this time. You hear my teaching. You see what I do. I'm your helper, but I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you another guy who is going to continue to carry on what I've been doing all this time. I'm going to send you another helper. I'm going to send you another guy. So part of this promise is, number one, I have this in section, the Holy Spirit convicts you, okay? He convicts you. Before you were saved, okay? The Holy Spirit was working in your life already. You didn't know about that. When you were living in sin, when you were living in the life that you were living before you were saved, the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit was in your life. You just didn't know about it. You will find out in heaven how deep that was. But nobody comes to the Father unless God draws him, and the drawing of God of sinners to Christ is a work of the Holy Spirit. So he's been around your life way longer than you even knew. So when he comes, John chapter 16 says this, and when he comes, he's talking about the Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin, to convict the unbelieving world of sin, to point out to the unbelieving world through the preaching of God's word that this is wrong and this is right, and to press upon the minds of sinners that they're culpable and criminals for violating God's law. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the world. Now, there are some people who teach the Holy Spirit does not convict believers. Okay? It's been around for a while. It's not a new teaching. But that the Holy Spirit does not convict believers of sin because you're already a believer. Now, in the Scriptures, we're going to cover this way more detail when we get to sanctification. But in the Scriptures, there are numerous verses that speak about the believer being chastised, disciplined, guided, all of which have to do with sins in the believer's life that when committed, the Spirit of God will point them out. The work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer as conviction is the pointing out of sin in your life. It's different 
Because there's no condemnation as it is to the unbeliever. Okay? But it is still a ministry of conviction of sin. Because God wants his people to be what? Holy people. He doesn't want his people to be living in sin. Now, I don't want to get too much into this, but in Hebrews chapter 2, we're told not to neglect this great salvation. Notice the word is neglect, not reject. Right? I could neglect my daughter because she's my daughter. I have her. Right? So you neglect things that you have. So the writer of Hebrews says, we, apparently he's throwing himself into this situation, should not neglect such a great salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So the, the Spirit of God, and that verse is pointing out, that salvation can be neglected by a believer. And the warning of the writer of Hebrews is, don't do that. So the scriptures is pointing to us, and you read the whole book of Hebrews, is just warnings and exhortations to the believer, because the we, you have to pay attention to the we in the book of Hebrews. That means the author is including himself here. And whenever time he says, we this, we that, he's throwing himself in there. We're giving warnings that we should live a godly life. The work of the Spirit of God in conviction, we'll get, we'll get into this when we get into sanctification, in the believer's life is to point out the sins in the believer's life and to exhort him to put him away. Now, there is another ministry of the Holy Spirit, which we'll get later on, which is empowering the believer to live this life. So the Holy Spirit convicts the world before you were saved. He convicted you. He brought you. He brought you to Christ. You didn't do this on your own. And he also convicts the world of sin, the unbelievers who refuse to repent. He convicts them of, of their sin. Okay? Pointing out that they're sinners and criminals, and they deserve God's punishment. The other ministry of the Holy Spirit is that he regenerated you. He brought you to Christ, but he also regenerated your heart. Um, John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel, I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. He brought you to Christ, and he gave you spiritual birth. You became alive when the Spirit of God regenerated you. Now, notice what he says, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Salvation is depending upon the regenerating work of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, you need to be born again. That is a work of the Holy Spirit. He brings you to Christ. He convicts you of sins. He brings you to Christ. He gives you a spiritual birth. Greatest verse in the Bible, Ezekiel 36, one of the greatest portions in the Bible says this, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act for the sake of my holy name, 
which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you profane among them, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When I vindicate my holiness before their eyes, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all the uncleanliness, and from your idols I will cleanse you. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. So God says... I am going to vindicate my name. You've profaned my name. What am I going to do? I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to put my spirit within you. And I'm going to cause you to obey my law and walk in my precepts. The work of the Holy Spirit, the, the beginning of your Christian life, is initiated by the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart through regeneration. He will give you a new heart, and He will put His Spirit within you. So, He convicts you, He regenerates you, and He, as this said, indwells you. Numbers eleven twenty nine. You guys remember when we read that? Moses had a wish. This is why he says, Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? See, what happened here is that the people of Israel began complaining about the situation, which they did all the time, okay? And God had poured His Spirit on the 70 elders, and they were doing miracles, and they were healing people and all that. So some guys came up to Moses and said, hey, all these cats are doing what you're doing, you know what I mean? Like, now, now maybe these dudes are going to think that they're as great as you are or something. So Moses says to them, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. So Moses all the way back then says, I wish that everybody, all of God's people would have his spirit. So don't be jealous because there's some folks that God put his spirit in some folks. As he did with me, I, I wish all of you all had the spirit of God. Well, Moses gets his wish. Thousands of years later, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 says this, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be, shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivals shall be those whom the Lord calls. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire, columns of smoke, even on the male and the female servants, I will pour out of my spirit. And I shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. The prophecy is, God tells the prophet Joel, a day will come when I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Not only Jewish flesh, but all flesh is going, to be, is going to have of my spirit. I'm going to pour it out of my spirit on all flesh. 
So, you know the story. The day of Pentecost shows up. They're up in the upper room praying. They walk down. They start preaching. The Holy Spirit falls upon all of them. First on the 120 in the upper room, and then those who were saved that day, 3,000 of them, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all of them. Men, see, the prophecy was, I'm going to gather you from all the nations. I'm going to bring you to your own land, and I'm going to put my spirit in you. Well, the Bible in the Acts chapter 2 says that in that day there were men from what? There were Jews in Israel from all nations. The Jews have come to Israel on that day from all of the nations under heaven, and God poured out his spirit upon all of them. He brought, he brought them to their own land, and he poured his spirit upon all of them. Moses got his wish. God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. So the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you. Leonard Ravenhill used to say that Christianity is the only religion where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. It's the only religion. You look at all the religions of the world, and it's never a man's God comes down and lives inside of the person. This is the only religion where your God, who made everything, comes and lives inside of you. And he does that through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit convicts you, regenerates you, indwells you, and he empowers you. For, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Of power and love and a sound mind. Therefore, the last bit is connected to the first bit. Therefore, because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, because of that, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, by the spirit that he has given you. Acts chapter 1, here's the promise. But you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And as a result of that, you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and to the end of the earth, which is where we live. This is the end of the earth from their perspective. The gospel has made it all the way to here. 2,000 years of what? Maybe 16 different languages. I don't know how many cultures. All the way to the ends of the earth. How? Because they received power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. When you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God, you receive His power to share His testimony and to be witnesses unto him in Judea and Samaria and through the end of the earth. The, the ministry of the church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're not doing this on our own. If we did, if, if Christianity was a man thing, like the 
atheists say, it would have stayed in Jerusalem. It would have never left there. Would have been, we would be reading about it in history books. Yeah, there was a group of folks who believe in this. But it made it from Jerusalem through the Roman Empire, collapsed the Roman Empire, worked its way into Europe, Africa, Asia, you name it, all the way until here today, 2,000 years later. And the Word of God is the same. It has been preserved. You can read the writings of the early church fathers. Some of, some of them folks like Polycarp, Polycarp was the spiritual son of the Apostle John. We have his writings. He quotes scripture in his writings. The same scripture that you read here today. It's been preserved by God. The same. What he believed, his power, his ministry, and everything was the same to him back then as it is to us here today. Now, he was a Greek. Polycarp and them folks, they were Greeks. Even understand those folks that they showed up up in here. Paul would walk through this door and starts preaching. We wouldn't even know what he was saying. But the Word of God has been preserved, and their ministries were empowered by the same Holy Spirit that empowers you today and that fills you and indwells you today. So, for this reason, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, For this reason, about my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that He may what? Grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How does this happen? By the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables you not only to live the Christian life, but He says to comprehend the love of God and how big it is. It happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts you. He regenerates you. He indwells you. He empowers you. And if you don't know how to pray, He helps you pray. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Two things. He's, he helps you pray, and He intercedes in your behalf. If you ever feel yourself that you may not be adequate in praying, that you may have done things that you shouldn't have done, and you don't feel adequate when you go to pray, know that the Spirit of God helps you pray, and He is interceding for the saints that will be you in your behalf with the Father. So there is, an inter, there is a ministry of intercession that the Holy Spirit does in your behalf. And He helps you pray with groanings. I love that. Too deep for words. Groanings too deep for words. So the Holy Spirit helps you pray. 
the Holy Spirit, this is my favorite one, He gives you gifts. Each one of you, the Bible says, has a gift that the Holy Spirit has given you to operate for the benefit of all of us. First, First Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12 says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there's a varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. Now, notice how he put those three things together. Spirit, Lord, God. So This is one of the verses you can use to prove that the Holy Spirit is God. Because he put those three things together. So... There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different services, but the same Lord. And there is a variety of activities, but it's in the, the same God who empowers them all in every one. So everyone who belongs to God is empowered with a gift for service by God through His Spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The gift that you have, that is a spiritual gift, it's not for you. It's not because you should use it for your benefit. It's for the common good. It's for the good of the church. Okay? So, he goes on to say, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, uh, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So there's a variety of different gifts in any given church. And it is the Holy Spirit who gives the gifts as He wills. I love it how He he puts that on there. It's the Spirit who's going to give you the gift as He wills, a portion as He wills, to whoever He wills in the church for the common good. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. So, the Spirit of God, while He's convicting the world of sin and regenerating those who are getting saved in the church and indwelling them and empowering them, He's also apportioning gifts to different peoples, differently in different churches throughout the whole planet, and empowering them in operating those gifts for the benefit of the church. All of this is happening at the same time. This is not an essence or a force. This is God is the only person that can do all of this at the same time. Okay? So, another important thing about the Holy Spirit and that you see in this verse is that he brings us together. This is what he says. For just as the body is one, this is 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For just as the body is one, it has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body. So it is with Christ. So we're one body in Christ. 
For in one spirit we were all baptized into the body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So, there's one body that has many members. That is the body of Christ, His church. How you made it into that body is that you were baptized into Christ. How? By the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, black, white, Asian, you name it. You're all baptized in the same body. And you are all made to, made to drink of one spirit. The Holy Spirit and his giftings and his operation in the church unites all believers into one body, which is the body of Christ. Now that idea today to us is nothing. Right? We think of it like, yeah, 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 we all, we're all one body. But in their day, that was huge. Huge. Impossible. Paul was questioned, his ministry was questioned for teaching this because there is no way that a Gentile is going to be the same as me as a Jew. I'm a chosen. I'm chosen of Israel. My people were given the law. We're God's people. Pagans, those are not our people. There were some Jewish Christians who were like, okay, you guys could be forgiven. You guys could be saved. That's fine. But we're still, we're still God's people. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're still it. You guys can kind of come along, but we're still it. You know what I'm saying? And if you really want to be maybe it, then you got to keep the laws and all that stuff. You can't just go from that to here. This, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's an order, folks. Well, the Apostle Paul says, listen, you want to talk about the law? You want to talk about being Jew? I'm a Jew. You want to talk about the law? Perfect. As to the law, perfect. I had it. I had it down. All of that was nothing, Paul says. I took all of that and I threw it out in the garbage. The only thing that matters is Christ. That's why he tells the Galatians, you begin in the spirit. You think you're going to be perfected by the law? You begin this whole thing by the spirit. You can't keep them maintaining by the law. Ain't going to get you nowhere. You start this race by the Holy Spirit. So the idea that all Christians are united by the Holy Spirit into one body in their day was insanity to them. We actually have, in our day and age, podcasts of people who are like white nationalists. And uh, very interestingly, I listened to a whole two-hour episode of them talking, just themselves, okay? White nationalists talking about themselves. And the, the whole podcast was on how Christianity has destroyed the white race. And one of the reasons, they say, is because Christianity teaches this thing called universalism, which means that all men are equal. <laughs> That's contrary, they say, to any of the pagan religions that the whites had, like in, in Europe or whatever. Or, and they say that's contrary to nature, even. They themselves realize, I realize, that they themselves are proving the veracity of the Word of God. The Bible teaches that all men are created in the image of God, right? And then when you get saved, you're brought into the 
same body by the same spirit who is working in you the same way he works with everybody else. So let's say, let's buy into their theory that say minorities have a lesser IQ. Let's pretend that's true. It doesn't matter. You're still created in the image of God. You're still partaking of the same Holy Spirit. And the God who created this world indwells in you. So who cares? Christianity just destroyed your argument. And it equalized a black man in Africa or an Indian, I don't know where, is going to bring him into the same body as any white dude anywhere. And he's going to give him the same spirit. It's going to empower him the same way. So who cares? Your argument makes no sense. Even if it were true, the Bible destroys it. Because the Spirit of God indwells every believer. There's no exception. There is no scale of maturity. You don't get more of the Holy Spirit because you've been in this for 20 years. You get the same Spirit when you get saved than if you're here for 20 years. No, the Spirit of God is not going to bypass your mind. You still have to learn. You still have to experience. You still have to grow in your Christian life. But you don't have any less than anybody else. You are all drinking of the same Spirit. So even in our age, that sounds revolutionary. Even in our age. I remember um, years ago, I was talking to a pastor. He said that he had gone to Guatemala, Honduras, one of those places. And, and this guy is Puerto Rican, so he says, you know, over there I have to change my preaching because, you know, they're now ready for the, the revelation that we have over here. I guess he has some revelation. I don't know the revelation he was having. I did not want to know what type of revelation he had. But apparently he was saying that if you go down to like places like that, you know, you got you to switch it down a little because, you know, maybe they're not ready for that yet. Folks, those people, if they're saved, they got the same spirit as we do over here. Same Holy Ghost, as you guys call them. Same Holy Spirit. Empowering them, indwelling them. He, he regenerated them. He indwelled them. He inspired the word that they're reading. He's using the word in their lives. It's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same word that he inspired. It's the same word that he is going to illuminate them, their minds to understand. He's interceding for them. He's helping their prey. What are you talking about? You know, we got we to gotta dumb it down. If you got to dumb it down, you got something else. <laughs> you got something else. That's what you got. We only have one revelation, God's word. And who gave it to us? The Holy Spirit. Who indwells the people who are going to hear it. And he's going to impress them upon their minds and help them grow in it. The work of the Holy Spirit. He's doing this constantly to every believer, and he's in every believer's life. So, when we think, this is one of the things I wanted to point out, we have in many ways diminished the Holy Spirit and his work to motion or to things that we feel, right? We go to church and we'll say, well, that church, uh, uh, the Spirit of God is moving in that church because, you know, Things are moving, right? You go to some churches and, and you get to that part of the service where things start moving, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like if it was a club, the disco ball would be coming down, you know what I mean? That type of thing. So we say to ourselves, oh, the spirit is not moving. Spirit is moving all the time. Spirit was moving before you got saved. 
Spirit is moving if you don't feel anything. Spirit is in your life, period. If you're a Christian, you're a believer. The Holy Spirit of God is in your life working constantly. You, you don't, you know, emotion and all those things are great, but that's all it is. It doesn't go beyond that. It's God's word who is the means by which the spirit grows you. He inspired this word and he will make you understand it. People, people say to me all the time, you know, I read the Bible. I stopped reading the Bible because I just didn't understand it. Well, a couple of things is obviously when you start doing push-ups, you're going to do about one push-up. But you have to do more push-ups every day and then you can do 100, right? The same thing goes with anything that you read. So first, you're not going to understand the Bible because it's a very complicated book. It's tough or whatever. But as you read it, it'll get easier, number one. Number two, you have the mind of Christ. And you have the Spirit of God who inspired this Word. And He will illuminate your mind because that's His work in your life. That's what Jesus said. Listen, I'm going to go, but then I'm going to send down another one who is going to take from me and give to you. And he's going to continue to teach you. So I'm going to leave, but the other one that I'm going to send, he's going to teach you all the things that he's going to bring him to mind. He's going to help you understand all the things that I've taught you. He's going to continue to teach them to you and make you understand them. So you have the mind of Christ and you have the Spirit of God who inspired this word and he's going to illuminate your mind to understand it and empower you to apply it. But that only happens, but he ain't going to grab your hands <laughs> and go like this and help you pick up the Bible and force you to read it. He's not going to do that. But if you read the Bible, he will work with your mind and with the word to bring you to the point that you need to be, because that's his work and that's his ministry. Furthermore, as a church, the same works that he's doing in your life individually, he's doing in all of our lives corporately as a church. The Holy Spirit in this church, remember what he says, he gives the gifts as he sees fit to whoever he sees fit, according to his will. When you're in a congregation such as this one, we believe that God put this congregation together. Amen. He brought people from different places, from different walks of life, and he just brought them together to one place. He did that on purpose. We know that he's omniscient. He knows all things. So he's saying, I'm going to grab this dude from over here and bring him here. I'm going to grab this guy from over here and give him here because I'm going to give this guy this gift. Then I'm going to give this guy this gift, which is going to correspond to this gift in this place at this time, at this particular hour, for this reason to accomplish my will as I see fit. So any church such as this one or any small church where there are true believers who have the Spirit of God are perfectly equipped to bring about whatever God wills in their lives. No, I don't care how small it is, the church. This church here has all it needs to accomplish what God wants us to do. As simple as that. We may not have a lot of people. We may only have a small amount. It doesn't matter because every person here has been brought here by the Holy Spirit, equipped 
and gifted by the Holy Spirit and empowered and indwelled by the Holy Spirit to bring about as a body the Holy Spirit purpose and will. As simple as that. That is the work of the Spirit, not only in your lives, but also in the church corporately as a body, locally, meeting here. Our church is equipped, which is why it is in many ways ridiculous when we go outside of the Word of God to try to figure out ideas or ways, right, to improve the church, to make the church maybe reach people better than before. So we go outside and we look at uh, uh, business methods and, and ideas and stuff like that. Paul didn't have any of that. They didn't have any of that when Paul was around. They didn't have any of that, you know, 500 years ago. They, didn't have, they don't have any of that down in somewhere in Honduras. They have the Holy Ghost. They have the Word of God, and they have the power of, of God's Word and the Spirit working together in their lives. And that's what we got, and that's the only thing we need. That's sufficient. Worked for Paul, as they used to say, works for me. So the Spirit of God convicts you of sin. He regenerates you. He indwells you. He empowers you. He helps you pray. He helps you pray. When you don't know how to pray, he's going to pray for you. Because he knows what you need more than, more than you know what you need. And he can search the deep things of your soul and the deep things of God. And he intercedes in your behalf. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, he gifts you and he brings us together as a church together um, to carry out the work that he wants us to do in this world, to carry out the Great Commission. It is done entirely by the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit, working in your lives individually and working in all of our lives as a corporate church body. And he will do all the things, not only to you, but also to us as a church. But it is important that we as a church understand not only the work of the Holy Spirit, but our responsibility individually to not only read the Word of God or seek to understand the Word of God and pray to the Spirit to help us more and more to carry out His will, to empower us more and more, and also to help us with our weaknesses and our sins and all the things in our lives. Um, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. So there's so much more that I could say and share. But you, like I said earlier, you will see a lot of this bear out as we continue on with the doctrine of man, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of sanctification. All those things will bear out the work of the Holy Spirit in more detail because I feel that the Holy Spirit, I don't want to say he's ignored, but he is, uh, he's diminished. You know, he is uh, belittled. You know, everything is about miracles and healings. Those things are great. People who get healed die eventually. You know what I'm saying? You got cancer, God healed me. That's great. Lazarus was resurrected. Lazarus ain't around no more. He passed away. So the physical things are great, but the spiritual work of the Spirit, that's what's enduring forever. So as a church, I pray that we never, ever neglect the work of the Holy Spirit, the genuine work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the church as a body. So. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit, Lord. 
We thank you that you brought us together as a church, Lord, and we believe that you will empower us to do whatever it is that you desire for us to accomplish, Lord. I pray that you may continue to guide us as a church. I pray, Lord, that you may help us in our families and with our children, Lord, to carry out your will and to continue to be um, saturated by the teachings of your word, Lord. We thank you for all you've done in our lives as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.